1: in, this is Overtime with Jillian and Chris. My name is Chris Osero, and uh, there's no Jillian Carroll here today. She is out of town.
0: She's uh too good for an hour.
1: Too for good us, for an hour for right? us. Too good for us for just an hour. So it is just me and my producer, Julio Sanchez, on the other side of the glass. I almost called the show the name of my podcast because we haven't done this show in a month and a half because K-State has been preempting us for the last almost two months now. So uh, in these last in this last month and a half, I just started doing a uh, a podcast on the 435 Podcast Network, the Heat Magnet Podcast. It is the official podcast professional wrestling podcast on the 435 Podcast Network. Congratulations. Thank you, you. Thank you. Thank you. It's been in the works for a few months. Um, then we had uh, we had some technical issues here on our end, so we had to hold off on it because I was hoping to start it in October, and we didn't get to that. So started it a couple weeks ago. It's about two and a half weeks. I've gotten three episodes in. I'm really proud of it, so I would appreciate it if you would go to the 435 podcast network on the radio.com app or 610sports.com and uh I hope you would listen to it if you're a professional wrestling fan and I would hope that you would subscribe to it. And if you're not a professional wrestling fan, subscribe to it anyways cuz uh, I could use those numbers. So, hook me up on that. Um what has been up with you, Julia? We I haven't seen I haven't, I've seen you a few days ago, but like feeling first little, time we've done a show in
0: feeling a month a little rusty, and a half. Like you said it's been what a month and a half.
1: Yeah, yeah, and like good thing I was doing the podcast because I would be extremely rusty. By the way, going uh, into Congratulations show. on self-promoting yourself. That was, that was well done. Well, well done. Here, see, here's the thing. Earlier in the week, uh, our boss Stephen Spector, sent me an email. Says I need to promote this damn thing more. And so, he's oh, like, you got yeah, to promote this you, more. You just
0: promoted the hell out of it. I just promoted it, it, the hell out you. of it.
1: This is probably the best promotion I've ever done for this new podcast I started <laughs> doing. So, I would appreciate it if you would please subscribe and listen to it, especially if you're a professional wrestling fan because uh, uh, I'm a big wrestling fan and I got a lot of hot takes about that genre of uh, of sports entertainment. So, uh, I what, would appreciate what is the it if age,
0: you listen. What's age appropriate for wrestling? Is there is there ever an age where it shouldn't matter um, that much. I don't want to offend you, but is there an see, age when you have to cut it off?
1: Here's the thing. A lot of people think that this is a young man's form it's of entertainment. entertainment. It's not. The average median age mm-hmm. for like WWE's fan is like baseball's median age. Because wrestling was a whole hell of a baseball's lot more baseball's
0: the old man sport. Yeah, wrestling is wrestling, not wrestling the old man's is
1: sport. wrestling is. Wrestling's average like WWE's average audience is right around 54-55 years old. That the demographics are saying these guys are actually really old who are watching it because these are the same people that watched wrestling thirty years ago, back when they were younger, and there were like bigger stars back
0: then. I feel like I'm being the old man saying this, but it's not even close to what it was when
1: Oh no I was young. I, I agree with that. popularity wise, like twenty years back ago it was <laughs> twenty years ago it was like way more popular than it is right now. But it's still I mean it's still one of the, it, each of the wrestling shows are one of the top shows on cable or broadcast television every night, and it still has a really good following. We still get thousands of people that go watch the WWE at the Sprint Center when they come here. So,
0: but there's a cutoff, right? There is a cutoff age wise. Like, I feel like I mean, past, death, like, 30, death you probably is a cut don't off. need to be that into wrestling.
1: No, death is a cutoff. They're, they're old. It's baseball's audience.
0: Dusty's back here giving me a hard time
1: about it. Of course, it. course he is. Because Dusty. Because Dusty knows, knows I'm right. Dusty knows I'm right. <laughs> Dusty knows I am correct on this and that it is not, like I said, professional wrestling has an older fan base because a lot of these people have been watching since the 70s and 80s. Who's
0: giving you these numbers?
1: Uh... The internet. It's nonsense. The internet. There's like demographics out that show that wrestling's audience is really old. So you should you should do some research for you. I'd rather right? not. <laughs> so we've got a good show for, coming up for you today. We are only here until 4 o'clock. At 4 o'clock, K-State football, their pregame show, is going to start. K-State is playing against Texas Tech. Chris Kleiman's first year, he is... In a little bit of a rough patch right now, but he is starting to come. You know, he's he's had a good first season, I think, and they have a chance to finish the season strong and really make waves in building themselves up to what the program used to be under Bill Snyder like 15, almost 20 years ago. Right now, they are in a, in a really, really... Interesting position. I, I talked about this, um, I talked about this a couple weeks ago on Bink at night. And I was talking about how K State has a lot of talent on there. And the problem is, is that talent, while well, good, that talent is not good enough to like compete with the Texases, with the Oklahomas, with the Blue Bloods in college football. And as much as coaching is going to be important. Recruiting is going to be very important as well, if not more important for a program like K-State, mainly just because of the fact that in college football, you can coach guys up. We've seen guys like Gary Pinkle coach guys up to a certain level, but they only compete at a certain level. They never reach the elite status because they're not able to recruit that top-tier talent. They'll recruit guys that can play in the NFL, but it's like, maybe three guys on their team at a time that can play in the NFL versus, like, the top-tier teams where they're probably going to have three or four guys a year, if not more, going into the NFL. So what's important right now for Kleiman and for K-State is that they've got to win big games, and they've got to go out whenever they're on national television, whenever they're under the spotlight, they've got to go out and show that, They've got a system that will allow players to translate over from high school to college and potentially to the pros. And they got to show that this is not a a, a program that is just going to be up and down roller coaster his entire time.
0: So basically the same program as Bill Snyder.
1: Yeah. You don't want to have Bill Snyder's program the last 10 years. You want to have his program 20 years ago where you were consistent. So it's going to be important right now for Kleiman to finish strong on the year um, they're really gonna need Skylar Thompson to come out there and play great because quarterback play is a really big showing. Because we already know recruiting quarterbacks is hard, recruiting great quarterbacks is really hard, and uh, he's gonna need one if he wants this system to work. And it's gonna be vital that over the you know at the end of this year, their bowl game is gonna be big and obviously next season is going to be huge cuz it'll be his first full recruiting class. He is going to need to start that year off strong. I actually think I've been impressed with what he's done, but like you watch this team right now, you know, they they're on they got Bill Snyder's talent and Bill Snyder's talent wasn't good enough to go out there and win the Big 12. So, very important I think how they finish the season. Um this I mean Texas Tech really isn't much of a program since they got rid of Clef, Cliff Kingsbury, but this they is much of a program with him.
0: No, I mean no, they
1: were exciting to watch. They,
0: you know, they they doesn't play. mean they were good. They were exciting to watch, but they still they, weren't very they,
1: good. They had some good. I mean, they had some fun games to watch, but they're not much of anything right now. They're not even what they're, they're not even close to what they were with Kingsbury there. So, um, definitely interested in seeing how K State performs. Like I said, four o'clock pregame. 6 o'clock is when they are going to kick off here on 610 Sports Radio. KU. <laughs> KU has had an interesting year, to say the least. So, uh, KU lost to Iowa State today. Uh, it looked like at one point they were they might be able to pull this game off. I was actually driving in here, listening to Out of Bounds, and um, they had actually pulled ahead. What was it, 24-21, I think it was, about the time that I got here. They were up 24-21. And then they proceeded to, you know, give the game up at the end. And I, I got this question for you, Julio. Looking at this team thus far early in the season, you know, I mean, thus far, thus far early in the tenure of Les Miles. Do you feel like these moral victories that they've been having where they've come close against good teams? Do you feel like they, they, they're like building blocks for the future for this program?
0: Yes. So, so let me preface this by saying I'm not one for moral victories. Right? Yeah. I'm not one for – but also being a Kansas football fan, you look, you're at the <laughs> bottom of the cellar, right? The expectations <laughs> – let's be real. There were no expectations, right? So I think for this year, yes, I will take the moral victories with the with the – you know, they've been competitive. That's all you can ask for. They've been in games. They've won a game or two that you really didn't expect them to win necessarily – I'll take the moral victory. I think there's different tiers, right? There's this bottom tier, that, well, the basement. The, then there's like a middle tier and a top tier. I think the expectations have to match kind of where you are at the time. Right now, they're at the bottom. They're making progress. Let's have a couple seasons of maybe close to 500, and then maybe we can look at raising those expectations.
1: Yeah, I think next year you have to be really close to 500, if not oh, just over it. Around there, yeah. I think so, because I just I think that next year – I mean, you've got a guy in Les Miles who is a real bona fide great head coach in college football history. He's got a ring. He's got a ring, and he he's established himself as one of the best at, at in one of the top conference, in the top conference in college football when he was at LSU. And he's taken over a program that has not had a lot of good luck with really any coach that they've had since Mangino left. And now they're trying to put themselves in a position where they're rebuilding. I don't think I mean obviously I think and I think you would agree with this as well. Les Miles is not the future of this program. He's just a building block, a foundational guy. And then you agree. Yeah, and then you get your big time, you know, franchise making head coach with your next hire. That's the guy you're gonna bring in and hopefully he returns you to some sort of prominence that you once had a few years ago you had you know well over a decade ago like clearly that's not it but you would hope that next year he does something to push you to average and so i think that these moral i think these are moral victories and i think that they do matter because it helps build confidence in a program that has not competed with very many teams in recent memory division 1 teams? Yeah. You mean yeah, or even division 2 teams. I mean they'd be losing to like South Dakota State, you know, and Nickel State, who I I think we talked about this last year when they lost to Nickel State. I don't even know where they don't are. Don't really have to talk. I don't about know where they are. <laughs> I don't know where the location is. And you shouldn't be losing to a school where people don't know where the school is. And <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, you you don't fair. know where, what state that that school is in. From the name, that's a problem. So you shouldn't be losing to them. And that's the reason why it was really bad to lose to teams like Nickel State, South Dakota State. Uh, you shouldn't be losing to any football team that has the nickname the Jackrabbits. So these are building block games competing against teams like a Texas, kind of competing against Oklahoma. Uh, You know, they really didn't compete against K-State very much, but they didn't get absolutely ran. Like, Because I was at that game, and I thought they were going to get ran out of that stadium, and they kept it kind of – I mean, it was at least a two-score game for most of the game. So, you know, they're they're certainly making strides. I do think they, they absolutely have to improve upon this year, though. They can't go out and do what they did this year next year. Because if they do that, then how are you going to recruit guys? And then uh, moving on here real quick before we get to a break, Mizzou. Mizzou is uh, in a really, really bad spot. They are, see, here's the thing about Mizzou, is that they're a program that constantly is finding a way to look like they might be really good. They look like they might be really competitive, and then they fall apart at some point in the season, and then they just turn out to be mediocre. And that was the case because they've lost their last four games. They start off 5-1. and one, They've lost their last four games. I had the pleasure last week of enjoying my Florida Gators, stomping out the, uh, the Missouri Tigers like they were on fire. And uh, now they're in a position where they – I mean, they might lose because they, they got Tennessee at six thirty tonight. Uh, you can hear that game over on uh, on uh, ninety eight point one KMBZ, and then next week they've got Arkansas, which is like their fake rivalry game that they do because they don't play Kansas anymore. And I think that I, I think right now, no matter what happens, they got to get rid of Barry Odom after this year. I think at this point now, Barry Odom's 24-24 and 24 on, on in his career at Mizzou. One more year? You don't think one no. more year? No, I thought he should have been fired after last year. And the only reason why he kept his job was because they got hot at the end of the year. And they went out and beat teams like... They beat Florida. I mean, they, they beat the mess out of Florida last year. Felipe Franks lost his job after that game. And then Kyle Trask got injured and he got his job back a few days later. But, like, they are a team that like looks like they might be really good. And then they fall apart at some point during the season. And you just, you don't build on that. Not when it's happening week after week after week. And so I think if you're, if you are um, Mizzou, you got to get you a big time, like up and coming coach, get you a coach. That's like at a program that is not going anywhere. And then Maybe you, what was it, Norvell, I think his name is, from like Memphis. Get a guy like that, you know. They've been missing out on opportunities with some of these young, really good coaches, and they need to go out there and get themselves a young, up-and-coming coach that's at like a mid-major and that you can build around and is at some point going to be able to recruit because none of these teams here, Kansas, K-State, Mizzou, none of these guys can recruit here in Kansas City. All these other schools outside of the city are taking all these young recruits. So I think at this point, we already know Barry Odom can't recruit here. Can't really, he's not doing a good job coaching here. So I think that you've got to find a way to get you a young coach that's going to build long-term. And then I think you've got to find a way to start bringing in guys here in Kansas City. And Barry Odom clearly can't do that right now. So I think it's a good job to let him go. And I think that at this point, nothing that he does the final couple games of the season is going to save his job. Coming up next, I'm going to tell you why the Chiefs win over the Chargers on Monday night football was likely the most impressive win of the season. Back in here on... uh... Overtime with Jillian and Chris here on 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com. I'm Chris Osero. No Jillian Carroll today. She is out. And then Julio Sanchez producing this thing on the other side. As I said in the first segment, I am hosting a new professional wrestling podcast on the 435 Podcast Network, the Heat Magnet Podcast. So you need to go on to the radio.com app, search for the Heat Magnet Podcast, and you need to subscribe and you need to listen.
0: I'm going to ask you the same question just because I'm sure there's listeners that yeah. don't know what heat magnet means. A heat, ma- Yeah, means. you asked me this what on a
1: Thursday. Magnet? A heat magnet in professional wrestling is someone who draws a ton of uh, booze, a ton of hatred from the crowd. that d- usually it's a bad guy, a villain, or as they call him in wrestling, so a heel. But... It can also be a good guy sometimes if the fans don't like that good guy. But yeah, I, it is usually someone who draws a lot of jeers from the crowd, a lot of hatred from the crowd, and uh, and uh, I can attest from my personal experience working here about right at right. Six Ten Sports yeah. Radio, I'm usually the one that gets the you're most the heat out of anybody here on this show. Yeah, you're the worst. I'm usually the one that gets the heat from anybody on the on the um, on the text line. On the Protein House Eat with the Purpose text line, which is 69306 if you wanna weigh in on uh this afternoon's show. We are here till four o'clock because at four o'clock, K State pregame pregame show starts as they get ready for uh Texas Tech at six o'clock here on six ten sports radio. Um, so I want to get into this whole bi week situation at the uh, not bi week situation, this uh The game on Monday night, Chiefs, Chargers, Mexico City, um, I think that game was a disaster from an actual, like, a logistical standpoint. I think it was a mess. And I think that the NFL did a really terrible job of putting it together because, like, they tried to assure us going into that game that, Everything was great with the field. That that field no Shakira concerts, no soccer games, none of that was there was like two weeks with no soccer games on the field, no Shakira concerts of any kind. And yet somehow, some way we heard at you know on pregame that there were parts of sod coming up from the field when these guys were working out doing their pregame warm ups. And so going into the game it was, it was a mess. Like I remember, I think it was the first pass the Chiefs had, and one of the Chiefs receivers it was tried to tried to like make a cut, and they slid, they slid like they were on a slip and slide out there, trying to go out there and make a catch from on a pass from Pat Mahomes, and so logistically, this is a, this was a disaster again. This is two years in a row now that they essentially had an unplayable football field. The field just looked like you could play on it this year as opposed to last year where it was obvious that they couldn't play on it. They had their guys out there their their field testers or whatever that came out there and supposedly they certified it with an A. Like, oh yeah, you could play on this field and then everybody was slipping and sliding throughout the game. And so because of the way that the offense played, people were a little uneasy about that win against the Chargers. Because defense gets four interceptions, you only win by seven points. And I can understand the idea as a fan of you get four turnovers against a divisional opponent, against a a guy in Phillip Rivers who's not playing well at all this year. I think he's like 15 touchdowns of 14 interceptions this season. Not having a very good year. And You're looking at it, and you're like, man, we should have won by more. Why isn't the offense running the way that we know that they can? You know, why aren't they moving the ball down the field, scoring points like we know that they can? And I think that Andy Reid is a master tactician at doing, like, some of the things that we don't notice as fans from, you know, just... From like a, a like a casual standpoint. Because the way that he was calling that game, and I didn't see it when I was watching the game, because I was on if you saw me on Twitter at Sarah to sixty, I was pissed at Andy Reed's play calling during the game. Like I was angry at his play calling. I was just sitting there like, what the hell is Andy Reed doing as a play caller? And then you really think about it after the game and you're like, no, Andy Reed was smart because we saw early in that game Tyreek Hill go down with a hamstring injury. And they probably could have put him back in there cuz they I mean, they only said it's a minor hamstring injury. He's day-to-day quote unquote. They were they had like this vibrating machine thing or whatever that they were using on the back of his uh on the on his hamstring there on the sideline. Uh it actually looked like it felt pretty good. It looked like something that uh, I need to tell my girlfriend she need to get me because uh it was looking it was looking pretty. I was like, man, I can use one of them massager things." Um I think Pat Mahomes' girlfriend, she had she said what the official name was on Twitter, but it was like really technical, so I didn't remember that. But it was pretty apparent to me and to a lot of fans that that field was really trash. And if I'm Andy Reid and I'm looking at that field and I'm seeing these the the sod come up before the game even starts, when these guys are just doing their karaoke's and high knees to warm up before the game. And I'm trying to judge whether or not I want to allow my guys to go all out when I know that we've been injury-plagued all year long. Maybe I'm not going to go out and show everything I got. Maybe I'm going to do just enough to win. And if my defense plays well, well, that means that I can show even less. I mean, I was I was producing on Wednesday the uh, Arrowhead Pride um Arrowhead Pride Radio, and it was one of the things that Kent talked about was that, you know, he watched that game back on All-22, and it looked like a lot of times Andy was just running the same play multiple times on series or multiple times in a quarter. And so you look at that, and he dumbs down the the game plan, and the offense was really out of character because they were they were running the Alex Smith offense in that game. A hard time believing that Andy wanted to show everything he had in a game where you were essentially playing on a slip and slide, and you had one of your receivers, you know, go down with a minor hamstring injury, and you're sitting here like, you know, what happens if our, you know, one of our other guys gets hurt? What happens if you know Patrick is scrambling on the outside and he tries to make a cut to fight for an extra yard? and he tears an ACL because the sod underneath uh, breaks off from the rest of the field, and, you know, he's, his knee is in an awkward, awkward angle there. You got to think about that stuff. So I think that Andy likely held off, and when the defense came came up and they started playing well and they started getting stops in their own territory, they started getting turnovers because that was, I think, Besides the Denver game, that was probably the best the defenses looked, in my opinion, because they went out and they held a, you know, Philip isn't the same quarterback, but he still is a talented quarterback. They held him in, in check for most of that game. He really didn't, I mean, yeah, he, they got a lot of yards, but he didn't tear them up on the scoreboard, 17 points allowed against the Chargers, a team that. Uh, We saw at Arrowhead last year have no problem scoring points on you, especially at the end of that game, you know, where they were able to mount a very easy uh, game-winning drive. And then twice at the goal line, they were able to fool your defense up so much that you blew two straight. I mean, they essentially, it was like they called the same play twice and they were able to get a touchdown and a two-point conversion on it. So it's not like you were playing a scrub out there. And your defense came through. And if I'm Andy Reid, maybe I'm like, okay, let me not go out and give everything that I have as a play caller so I can make sure my guys don't get hurt. Let me play it safe here because I know my defense is playing well. I think that's probably what happened. I I think that's probably more likely than Andy Reid was just really, really bad. Because I think that there are times where, especially with his track record, I think there are times where he's thinking about, he's like thinking way in advance. And he's thinking of stretch run. He's thinking of playoffs. And he's like, if if I let my guys go out there and then one of them gets hurt, like we've had an issue with all year long, well, all of a sudden now, these injuries are more impactful in November than they are in September, you know. He loses Patrick Mahomes now. It could be for the rest of the year. I mean, we were looking at the... at the. I mean, we were very fortunate with Patrick Mahomes' injury happening when it, done, when it did. Because it meant he had plenty of time to rest up, to get back, and, you know, he's played well thus far. It's really, really tough for you to have to try and come back from a quarterback injuring his knees or his ankles or whatever... In November, because then you run the risk of him missing playoff games. And then when, if that happens, that ends your season. So I think this actually was probably the most impressive win to date because the offense to me intentionally packed it in and you were able to rely on your defense and still get a win where you really weren't that much in danger because your defense was able to make plenty of plays to keep the Chargers out of the end zone for most of that game coming up next. I'm going to tell you why you should be really optimistic about this Kansas city chiefs team. As we enter the bye week, We are about 22 and a half minutes away from the start of K-State pregame. So for K-State fans, make sure you keep it tuned here after the show so that you can listen to pregame for K-State versus Texas Tech. I'm Chris Inocero. This is Overtime with Jillian and Chris here on 610 Sports Radio, radio radio.com app, 610sports.com. Wherever you are choosing to listen, we thank you. Me, Julio Sanchez, keeping things going along here up until 4 o'clock. We have a shortened show. Um, so last segment we talked about that Chiefs-Chargers game and the fact that I actually think it was probably the most impressive win in the season considering the fact that I think that the Chiefs, I think Andy Reid packed the offense in because he was playing on an unsafe field, and I think that the defense – played well enough to instill some sort of faith by Andy Reid in them that hey we could lean on these guys right now and that's what I I think he he did and he did it very well and we've seen them do it at times this year um we obviously saw them do that against the vikings shut down um dalvin cook in that uh in that game at arrowhead and the defense kept them in the game they actually played pretty pretty decent um through most of that game at the end of the game they they ran out of gas and the the Packers were able to just run the ball on them and 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 complete the win but the defense kept them in that game against uh one of the best quarterbacks in football so going into the bye week now Chiefs seven four seven and four and they're in an interesting position because they're in the driver's seat for the AFC West like they have been for the last few years now and they're Entering an important stage of the season because this is the time now where if they really are a contender, they are going to wrap things up in their division and they are going to uh, make a very, very strong attempt at running the table the rest of the way. Um, Final five games of the season in order. Raiders next week, we will talk about that. It'll be me, Jillian, and uh, I think Kramer will be on with us uh, as we... Uh, correct. Yeah on the on the midday show we'll be on ten to two on Black Friday. Some of us have
0: to work real jobs. I
1: Fine. mean I do. I just don't have to do it on Friday. And um, and so yeah, we'll, me and me and Jillian will be talking very extensively about Raider Week on uh, on on this Friday. One sure. that will actually matter. Yeah, kind of. I don't think it matters as much as some people are thinking. Some people make it out to be, but kind of it matters more than it has in a long does. time. And and so Raiders. Next Sunday, then we've got we the, the Chiefs go to the New to uh, Foxborough to face the New England Patriots. Come back against the Broncos, then they go to Chicago and then they come back and they face against the Chargers. So they're in an interesting position right now because they have, I mean, two tough matchups. Well, one tough matchup, one would have been tough matchup uh, if we had talked about at the beginning of the year because the bears are certainly not what we thought they were at the beginning of the year, but obviously the Patriots still got the top uh, record in the AFC. And then you've got three divisional games at home. I think that they're in a great position right now because I think we have seen the foundation that the chiefs need to be a real true title contender this season, last year, I knew you knew Julio. Everyone who was listening right now on the radio or on their phones, they all knew that that defense was probably going to cost us a chance to go to a Super Bowl. We all knew that that defense was probably going to end up hurting the hurting the team when it counts the most. Because the defense was absolutely horrible, 31st in the league in total defense. They were horrendous and we knew that with all the big plays that they gave up, with all the bad penalties that they got, at some point it was going to come back and kill to kill the team. And lo and behold, when they had the AFC Championship game, one D Ford was offside. So we know that as long as this team this year has the foundation to be better than what they were on defense, they're going to have a chance. And I think this year we have seen that this team defensively is much better than what they were last year. Now, they're not great. And if you look at, like, the, the team rankings, they're 26th in the league, I believe, right now, which certainly doesn't look like they're much better just from an optic standpoint. But you also have to take into account that much of that is just because of how awful the run defense is. And I think you can work around that. I think if... Because like we know that when the defense is aggressive, when they are attacking running backs, they're able to do a good job of containing the run. The problem is is they stop doing that once they get to like the second and third quarter, and then teams are able to run the football on them. But this Chiefs pass defense is really good. They're really good. I mean, they're not elite, but they look like they're pretty damn good. 11th in the league right now in pass defense this year. And that's a market improvement from the 31st in the league that they were last year against the pass. And it says a lot about what they could be when they get to the playoffs. Because in the playoffs, what we see is that we see quarterbacks who are capable of doing great things a lot of times make that so in the biggest of games. And this Chiefs team has a ton of potential and what they could do in in that regard. They look like they can force turnovers. We know they can rush the passer. They're one of the best pass-rushing teams in the NFL, again, for the second straight year. But now they've got p- some playmakers in their secondary. Um, we obviously know that that uh, Honey Badger is making he, – he's he's made a, a big impact. Juan Thornhill's really starting to come into his own as a safety, even though his tackling is a little suspect. Um Charverius Ward and Bashad Breeland have been playing a lot better than I thought they would. And we thought that the the corners would be a major, major problem this year. They haven't really been as much of a problem as we, as we um, thought they would be. Linebacking core suspect both in the passing and running game, but they still have a core that has shown that they can get some key stops. And that's what you need because you look like – we know that if this offense is healthy and they haven't been healthy – all year long, we know that when they're healthy, they can make some great things happen. And because of that, that's the reason why I think that this team is in great position in this bye week. Because the defense looks, to me, much, you can actually rely on them. Not all the time, but you can rely on them at some points, especially the passing defense. As long as Spags is not getting conservative with his play calling. And the offense is what it is. And while some people in in Chiefs' kingdom might have concerns about the offense, I think when you take the caveat that the offense has been hurt all year long, where you only have one game this year where both Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill played a majority of the snaps at the same time, it tells you the story of the season for the offense, which is that they've been too injured. They've been too snake bitten this year for us to really see what they can be. We, I think the best game we saw for them was probably that Jacksonville game, and that was because Sammy Watkins went out there and had a career game. So I don't really feel like we need to worry so much. I think we win this division, and I think because of what the Chiefs have piecewise, they can do some magical things in the playoffs as long as the defense is holding up at the very, as long as they're holding up their bargain at a moderate rate holding up their end of the bargain at a moderate level. As long as they're mediocre and the the offense is healthy, I think they got a great shot to go far, no matter who they play and no matter where they play. Because you got Patrick Mahomes, you got the weapons that you do, and I think you do have a better defense than what you had in previous years, even if some of the rankings don't quite show that. Coming up next, it's Julio's time to shine on the show as we end it with Julio's web hit back in here on overtime with Jillian and Chris just a final few minutes left before we got to wrap this thing up as K-State pregame will begin at four o'clock they get ready for their game against the Texas Tech Red Raiders who are no longer fun without Cliff Kingsbury at the helm uh, protein Alsi with the purpose text line six nine three zero six. Uh, goat man out there, chant NXT. I feel you. I will be watching Takeover War Games tonight, and uh, make sure you hear my reaction on Thursday night on the Heat Magnet Podcast on the Four Thirty Five Podcast Network, the official wrestling podcast of the Four Thirty Five Podcast Network. Let's get the Julio's web hits to wrap the show up. Julio's web hits. I
0: like got that fire plate, but uh, yeah, it was that part. It was a little
1: awkward. Dude. You got to edit, edit that out on the podcast page.
0: I mean, that's that's why I'm the producer.
1: Right? Uh huh. Yeah, edit so, out your mistakes and leave mine's in.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, okay, so in the news this week, I think I'm do- I'm doing Jillian Proud here with this one. Uh, so there's been some talk about Carly Lloyd. Uh, Potentially joining the NFL as a kicker, which I for one believes, I believe she can. Yeah, I think so too. Got the leg for it. Yeah. Uh, but she had this to say about it. Yeah, you know, believe it or not, it's, there's obviously a lot of other things that, um, you know, are a bit challenging with, you know, big men um, mm-hmm. on the line and people running at you. Um, but uh, I have I have done it in pads and a helmet. Okay. Um, and, you know, did the, the two-step. Um So I've I, I've realized that I can I can do it with with all that stuff. So um it's just a matter of yeah. So I, just a matter of her using that leg of hers. She sounds like, sound like she doesn't know any. She sounds like she doesn't watch than football. Than some of these NFL kickers, right?
1: She, she sounds like she doesn't watch football. Not nah, this. And I, I tell you this, I think it would be great for her to be in the league because if, a. Female player in the NFL, not something I would have ever thought I'd see in my lifetime. But also just because, like, she's going to be maybe the first kicker I've ever seen that's going to get, like, sponsorships. Like, she's going to get. Go for it, man. She's going to get sponsorships. And if she's really good, like, Hall of Fame for sure. Because not only just because she's breaking that barrier, but if she's really good, like, I mean, that's a good publicity for your league. The NFL has uh, obviously not been too kind with women's issues and so this would be great for them to kind of show that they're it's a whole new demographic and yeah. a whole new market right and R- i just think it'd be f- i think it, i think it'd be fun Let's go opposite i side. think it'd be fun to have her out here kicking field goal I-,
0: I say go for it man. yeah i
1: mean they should try to see if some of these other women want to go out there and try I want to see other sock. I want to see if David Beckham wants to, you know, try to kick field goals nah, in I'll the pass NFL. On that. I'll take Carly Zlatan, maybe Zlatan uh, for sure. That
0: might be more entertaining. Zlatan
1: would be fun. Might
0: be more entertaining. He
1: would be fun. He'd be talking trash on the opposing team the entire time. <laughs> uh,
0: th- this one's for you. Up next, uh, so, since you're, you know, every segment when come back, you're kind of pushing your
1: pushing my podcast, your heat magnet, heat podcast. Magnet podcast. Uh, 435 the Network.
0: linebacker crew came into Thursday night football with, uh, well, meaning some serious business.
1: Look, you mentioned uh-oh. the linebackers, hey. Texas you know, linebackers. Uh-oh. You know we're a little ready different. to fight, Mortal Kombat, huh? You know
0: we're a little different. <laughs> I love it. They came in wearing some Mortal Kombat gear, uh, and they really showed out uh, as uh, they won pretty handily.
1: I. Uh... See this is the thing like a lot of like a lot of the older generation do not like when NFL players do stuff like this I love stuff like this man Yeah I love it I love the celebrations when they took the celebrations out of the NFL for like they was like you can't celebrate too much it hurt me cuz I love the Great. celebration. no fun league man No fun league So I love stuff like this I remember when uh the Pistons won the uh, NBA championship I think it was in 04 uh maybe 05 at the next, the first game of the season, they had the uh, they had WWE's World Heavyweight Championship belt that they were carrying around. Like they all had like their own, I think they all had their own individual belts as they were uh, as they were stepping out. And, and doing their pregame introductions. It was really cool. I
0: love that they've went back to the NFL yeah, and allowed that stuff.
1: Yeah, because you should. It's entertainment. It's entertainment. And I've had, I've had debates with my coworkers about this who do not think that you should be doing that in sports. It's about the game. Have fun. Have fun. This is entertainment. I want these guys to go out there and show me some character because it's television and I want to be entertained. Special thanks to Julio Sanchez for doing all the hard work. Me and Jillian will be on middays 10 to 2 on midday 10 to 2 on Black Friday. So listen to us. Thank you, the list for thank you, the listener, for listening to us on this Saturday afternoon. I am Chris Ocerro. This is overtime with Jillian and Chris. Overtime with Julian and Chris.
0: 610 Sports Radio.